0: This rain, we're so blessed to have this rain, you guys. We are now in our third. Thank you guys for making it out in the rain. Let's go. (laughs) Um, This is the third consecutive driest year that we've had since 1896.
1: Welcome to Care More, Be Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Balizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Balizzi. And today, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Because I want to talk to you about a press event that I got to attend just a little bit ago as I was able to connect with people in person for the first time in a long time. And in celebration of the launch of a new piece of farming equipment that is going to change the way that we consider doing farming. And that is Monarch Tractor. Now this was co-founded by Carlo Mandavi of the Mandavi family, fourth generation wine farming individual who is an entrepreneur in his own right, and also a winemaker. I think he's somewhat of a celebrity in many circles, especially those around Napa. And I had the opportunity to do a follow-up interview with him today. So I wanted to first share with you some of my thoughts and also what the focus is going to be over the course of the next few weeks for this podcast, while also then giving you a snapshot, a view of what it was like to be at this particular press event in Livermore at the Monarch Tractors headquarters. Now why should we be excited about farming equipment you might ask well first if you like food i like food i love food in fact and i also love a good wine so as a bit of a celebration in sharing this episode with you today i'm going to celebrate and have a glass of an amazing wine from charles krug winery this is actually the first winery that ever really had its roots here in California, and in Napa Valley at least, since 1861. And it was also the first winery that the Mondavi family was involved in. Now, this winery still exists today. You can go visit Charles Krug and see some of those original buildings, taste some incredible wines like this, which is a limited release Malbec from Napa Valley, Uh, 2015 vintage. I typically let my reds rest for seven years. And so for those of you listening, you can hear, for those of you watching, you can see a beautiful, dark, glorious Malbec from Napa. All right. So now that I've got that sip of wine in my belly, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this episode. Got to put that cork in the bottle though. Can't let the wine get, I don't know, fruit flies jumping in that might exist given the bananas that are ripe upstairs. So, as it stands, farming is actually one of the core contributors to global warming issues and carbon emissions. In fact, 20% of emissions are related to farming. And did you know that every time you turn on a tractor, it's like turning on 18 diesel engine big rigs? This is a big problem, they use a lot of fuel. And they're not the most efficient creatures in the world of farming either. I say creatures because the machine itself, the one that I'll introduce you to in this episode that you'll get to see for yourself if you're watching on YouTube, it almost has a personality. As I tell you about today's episode, you are going to be on an adventure with me in Livermore in the immense rain that hit us last week. And you'll hear the pitter-patter of the rain and the white tent that we're all crowded into as we watch this amazing unveiling, as we hear directly from a wine aficionado, and then from Carlo Mandavi himself, and also get to see the tractors, both the older generations and the newer. For those of you watching on YouTube, you're also going to get to see some of the older versions of tractors, And you'll even have the treat in the end of seeing a tractor that drives itself. So over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to both get to see content from this press event. You're going to get to learn about regenerative farming, and you're going to get to learn about food and some of our procurement strategies to have better, more nutritious food, while also not negatively impacting our environments. This is climate activism in the current era. We have to become more informed. We have to champion things, simple like tractors, even. Solutions that come from technology that ultimately harness the power of engineering, of our abilities to think outside the box, and of a commitment to working more sustainably, to removing things like glyphosate from our ecosystems, to naming a company after the monarch butterfly and championing projects that will support the rebound of monarch populations, which are on the brink of extinction. You'll learn about all of that and more in today's episode. You'll hear directly from Carlo Mondavi talking about that very subject too. And then next week, I'm actually going to share a part two of this podcast, and you'll get to meet Alice Walker, from Chez Panisse. Chez Panisse is a very lovely restaurant in Berkeley that has championed regenerative farming and farm to table food for a long, long time. She was at the event and spoke as well. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to the very capable hands of the lovely MC for the event, and I hope I pronounce her name correctly, but I think she would laugh at me if uh, she learned I said it wrongly, <laughs> because at the event itself, she actually almost introduced the wrong person. So for those that were there, for those that experienced it, we all got to chuckle. She's charming. She's amazing. She's a wine educator and writer, and her name is Elaine Chuken Brown. Here we go.
2: My name is elaine chacon brown i am a wine writer and global wine educator and i'm going to say the thing you're not supposed to say at these events which is that i am feeling emotional Definitely. this is a big deal and to get a room full of farmers media investors researchers designers engineers all together for this occasion is a historic moment I was talking to John Williams just a minute ago. As many of you know, he's the founder of Sleep, And he was saying that 10 years ago, he and his son, Rory Williams, went to Europe to a tractor show because they wanted to buy an electric tractor. And it did not exist. The technology did not exist. Today, we're launching the world's first fully electric automated smart tractor. Driver optional smart tractor. Again, this is a historic moment, bringing all of these technologies together in one machine is truly incredible. And we have the chance to respond to climate change, to respond as, a, as part of climate action through how we farm and by bringing the technology that we need into the equipment that we use. So I started writing about wine about 10 years ago, and one of the very first things I did was go to a farm worker healthcare and education day, in Oregon, actually. And at the time, it just seemed like the obvious thing to do, that if I was going to write properly about wine, I needed to understand how it was farmed and who did the work to make that happen. And the truth is, what I found out was that uh, magazines weren't interested in farming and farmers at the time, the writing about wine was fully focused on lifestyle and what was in the bottle itself. And I'm pleased to say that I continue to focus on farming and trying to understand sustainability as well through my career, and today magazines are clamoring for these kinds of articles, and that's part of why we also have media here today to focus on technology, on how we can help the farm workers and the farmers to scale up. I'm also really excited to say that even though I happen to focus on wine, What we are representing today is a movement in dairy, in nuts, in orchard fruits, in row crops, and in wine, in all crops. This is a change that can revolutionize farming altogether. One of the things that's truly incredible about this project, Monarch Tractor, is that it brings together world leading experts in robotics, in automation, people that could have gone into and actually have had successful careers in aerospace, in engineering of all sorts. how Bringing all of these things together in one machine is truly incredible. And one of the things that I asked us to speak about today is why a tractor? Why would someone that has had success with Tesla, with NASA, with all of these other world famous companies, change directions and come into building a tractor, and that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. I'm thrilled about that. So to get us started, I'd like to introduce Carlo Mondavi. He's, besides being a celebrity, he's also a co-founder and the chief farming officer of Monarch Tractor. He's a fourth-generation farmer from the Mondavi family who's had an incredible impact on bringing world attention to the quality possible from California. And he actually was also a co-founder of the Monarch Challenge, which he's going to talk a little bit about today, which is the namesake of Monarch Tractor. He's also the co-founder, co-owner of Rain Winery and a partner in Continuum, and I'm thrilled to invite Carlo up today to
0: get us started. Thank you. Technology, this brilliant technology company. I'm a farmer and a winemaker first. My family's been farming now in this beautiful state, in this beautiful country, for just over 100 years. My great-grandfather, Cesare and my great grandmother Rosa got us into the wine business when they immigrated from Italy. My grandfather Robert took us to the next level. My uncle Michael, who is here, my father Tim, my aunt Marcy, continue to rise. And I thought that I would talk because we measure climate in wine. When we enjoy a great bottle of wine, we talk about the site, we talk about the team, the domain, and then we talk about the variable. The variable is climate. Was it a good year? Was it a challenging year? Did it rain all growing season? Were you able to ripen your fruit? Was it too hot? When you look at wine, we perspire acidity through the cell wall of the grape. So hot years, less acidity, more sunlight transfers to more photosynthesis equals richer, riper wines. Cooler years, you retain acidity. You don't get as much photosynthetic energy. Leaner, leaner, crunchier, fresher, more vibrant wines. And so I thought it'd be fun to break up my family's hundred years into three different eras and talk about the climate impact of those three eras. So the first era is while my family was at Charles Crew, And just a little bit before, from 1919 to 1966, and just before that, in 1883, the very first coal power plant was built, the Edison in London. And later on that decade, the very first combustion automobile, combustion engine automobile was built, Carl Benz from the Mercedes Benz Company. And that began the technology of the time, fossil fuel. So, in this era, 50 years, we increased by 20 parts per million, roughly. So, just a slight increase didn't actually affect change in us. And when you look at these era, this era, if you take a decade, we had maybe nine cool vintages and one warm vintage. So, we would be thrilled about the warm vintage. The next era, while my family was at Robert Mondavi from 1966 until 2004. In this era, it's about 40 years, and we increased by 70 parts per million. So 10 years fewer than the previous era, but really a big increase. In this era, it flips. About nine warm vintages and one cool vintage. Climate change was affecting us, but had yet to really, really challenge us. In fact, I would say that this would be the golden era if the previous era was the era of elegance. Really, think about the the decades of the 80s and the 90s and how beautiful those wines are. And then the era that we're in today, from 2004 until current day, this is the era where my grandfather Robert, my father Tim, my Marcy began Continuum, my uncle Michael began Folio, my brother Dante and I went off on our own, we began Rain, and then my wife is a farmer and winemaker from Italy. She has a great winemaker in and we started a tiny project called Solita la In this era, it's about 17 years, and we've increased by 30 parts per million. It's, it's wild. Wow, we're now at 420 parts per million of the planet. And when you zoom out and you look at this from a macro perspective, this is a thousand years. If you want to go back 10,000 years, that line is very, very steady, very even for the last, previous, so not the last hundred years, but 9,900 years before that. And that steady climate allowed for us as humanity to thrive, allowed for us to grow our civilization and have great reliance on being able to produce foods, And so when you look at this last era I was talking about previously, the era that we're in today, that decade, so if you take since 2012 to current day, we're not having nine warm vintages and one cool vintages, or nine cool vintages and one warm vintage. We're seeing vintages like in 2017 or 2015, where my family lost half of our crop due to drought, in set. 2017, my family lost 30% of our crop due to wildfire. The wildfires came back in 2020, this time much more catastrophic than earlier. Dante and I lost 65% of our crop at rain, and my family lost 100% of our crop at continuum. We won't be making a bottle of continuum in 2020. And then this last vintage, and I'm, this is this rain, we're so blessed to have this rain, you guys. We are now in our third place. Yes. Thank you guys for making it out in the rain. Let's go. <laughs> um, this is the third consecutive driest year that we've had since 1896. We are in a massive drought, so this rain is much appreciated. This class, last harvest, my, my family lost half of our crop due to drought before seven. So we've had now four catastrophic years in a decade. So wine our climate change doesn't just affect the quality of our crop, it affects our ability to have a crop. And it doesn't just affect our crop, it affects our community. This is in the town of Santa Rosa in Sonoma in 2017. 900 homes burnt in a matter of hours. All firefighters could do was literally knock on doors and say, get out. The winds were too fierce, it was too dry and too hot. It was terrifying. So this affects our communities, our friends, our loved ones. My family feels lucky. Even though we've lost so much of our crop, we still have our winery, we still have our house. We can't say the same for many of our friends. I want to talk about our planet's biodiversity. Our farmlands are national treasures and currently our agricultural landscape makes up 20% of our planet's greenhouse gas emissions and 50% of our planet's inhabitable land and uses 70% of our water resources. When you think about that, look at California for example. California is 100 million acres of land, of which 43 million of those acres are farmland. So what we put into our soils and what we do on our farmland affects everything. And today, as it stands, we use roughly 9 billion pounds of pesticides and 100 million tons of fertilizers. The most alarming thing about this number is the 5 billion pounds of herbicides. It's the one thing where you can have 100% reduction by mowing, or tilling, or crimping, or whatever fancy way you like to cut the grass, or you can use 100% by being able to spray a chemical. And so along my journey, prior to beginning model tractors, my brilliant co-founders and this incredible team that we have. I started a challenge called the Monarch Challenge. And the Monarch Challenge was to create awareness within the farming community about these dangerous chemicals in agriculture. Because I know one thing that unites the most conventional farmer and the most organic farmer. And that one thing is that we all care deeply about our planet, we care deeply about our soils, we care deeply about our families. And so learning about the human health impact and learning about the environmental impact, I felt that if I just went out and talked with farmers, surely we'd be able to migrate away from these chemicals. The reason why it's called the monarch challenge is because since the introduction of Roundup glyphosate in 1974 kind of as a flag in the ground as an era of when we really began using more chemicals directly into our food ecosystem since this time in 74 the monarch population of butterflies has declined by 99% and are now on the brink of extinction. Monarchs are now critically endangered. They, in fact it's, it's pretty ironic and pretty incredible that we're launching this track in the same year that they got Put on to the endangered species that's well overdue, I think, by the way. And the three things that are harming the monarchs: migratory path disruption, climate change, and pesticides, and these are three things that we can address through our tracking. So the idea of the monarch challenge was to go out and talk with farmers. Because I knew that if we simply talked about it, that not one farmer would want to use these chemicals. And what I ended up running into was wall after wall. It was heartbreaking. It was one of the most depressed I've ever been. The first challenge was that there was an economic divide. I would talk to families and they would literally say, we didn't know about this, but I've got to put food on my table for my family, I've got to put my kids through college. I quickly learned there was an economic divide. And I quickly learned that 45% of the farms in America are not profitable, and globally Family, 80% of the farms around the world are family and operated. So with a tear in their eye, they said, we have to figure this out, but chemicals right now are more effective, more efficient for us. And then I would talk to other farmers and they'd say, yeah, we realize herbicides are not ideal. We realize that synthetic systemics are not ideal. But right now, if I want to go down the organic route, I have to turn my compact tractor on and drive it more often. And turning on one compact tractor the size of Monarch, a diesel, is like turning on 14 cars." And it's NOx, particulate, and CO2, which is a class one carcinogen. So these farmers would say to us, Look, we agree it's not ideal, but I want to protect our climate, and it costs me a lot less to do that. So we were in this really, really terrible area where there was a carbon footprint divide and economic divide separating protecting our planet's biodiversity. I, I realized that. If we are going to survive and thrive as a human species, we have to make what is best for our country economically superior to anything else. And that's when I got the introduction of a lifetime to my co-founders, three brilliant engineers at Silicon Valley, and we began Monarch Tracker. So I going to talk, I'll try to put two pieces together, but I'd like to talk about how our tracker is going to solve the Monarch Challenges so much more. By being all-electric, we're able to bridge away from the fossil fuel era, and even when hooked up to the grid, there's a major impact and savings on our carbon footprint. But the beautiful thing about this is that we're able to bridge from the fossil fuel era and into a renewable era of farming. When you think about the 43 million acres of farmland in California, we have so much abundance of wind, of geothermal, of hydro, of solar. We can now get into the renewable energy business. We can basically take all of the same energy that's growing our crops store that energy in our batteries, and deploy that later on. We actually can come into the energy business. Ten monotractors is a megapack. That's a microgrid. We can now solve on-the-edge energy solutions for rural areas. By being all electric, we're helping take a big piece out of that carbon footprint that is hurting the modern class. Driver optional, the tractor is just like a normal tractor. You can get in it, and you can drive it it so has twice a torque it's all electric so it's much smoother than diesel it's not loud anymore. but it's also autonomous um, by the way it also has all the same hookups so on the back of your pto your three point hitch your hydraulic pump so it marries our implement yard as we have it today it fits perfectly in by being autonomous there's two major factors here the first is that it takes us as farmers out of the most dangerous place on the farm which is the tractor Even spraying organic chemicals, you have to wear a hazmat suit. And doing that six, seven, eight hours a day is very, very, very laborious and very difficult. So it allows for us to elevate ourselves and become fleet managers away from even these organic chemical sprays, period. The other piece is that by being autonomous, so every single winter, the monarchs begin to congregate out on the coast. They're congregating right now. And they form these kaleidoscopes where they basically quasi-hibernate. And then in the spring when all the grasses are growing and this rain has been absorbed and flowers are popping and all the other cocoons and insects are starting to come to life and the baby birds are being born, we have a decision to make as farmers. How what are we going to deal with these grasses? Are we going to mow these grasses? Are we going to cramp the grasses? Are we going to tell them? Or are we going to spray herbicide? The exciting thing about being autonomous is now you can go out and be more detailed, you can mow as much as you need to mow, without the economic divide or the carbon footprint divide. On top of that, just as a little sidebar, since the Russian-Ukraine war, roundup, glyphosate, has gone from $25 a gallon to $75 a gallon. All the fertilizers, all these petrol based chemicals have absolutely tripled in cost, if not more. So it's becoming cost prohibitive. I have a friend who has a farm, about 4,500 acres on Lodi. We calculate that he spends about $2.2 million a year on herbicide. $2.2 million a year. By being able to be autonomous, we save him from that chemical, we save our soils from that chemical. We save our planet's biodiversity and the health from that chemical. And so, As the monarchs make their way into their migratory path, they're no longer being hit with all those herbicides that are being spray, sprayed and sprayed. This is a big deal.
1: Thank you so much for joining me on this journey today. The reality is I just sat here and watched everything that you watched again and I feel like every time I even listen to the work that I do, I learn something new. I'm excited to share next week with you the work of Alice Walker. The fact that she is working in initiatives that will ultimately put great organic food in the bellies of school children from coast to coast. These are audacious goals. They're the things that we each put our passion, our love, our fire into. I do this through my podcast, but each of us has the ability to change our local environments to make an impact. All we have to do is really start. Just take that first step, choose something that we're passionate about that we want to see follow through. And then, like me, you might be able to have a positive effect like convincing your local community to make composting easier for all of those individuals who live in your zip code. I'm encouraged. I'm excited. I feel like 2023 is going to be a great year of progress. And so I'm looking forward to diving deep with you and talking more about regenerative farming, being able to introduce you to Carlo in a more personal way as I interview him on the podcast. And also be able to come back and reflect on some of the earlier guests I've had on the two podcasts I host. You'll get to know John Roulek, who has an incredible amount of work under his belt in the regenerative farming arena. He actually was the executive producer on that movie, Kiss the Ground, that dove into regenerative agriculture. So you'll get to meet him. And there's a few more surprises in store for you yet. So with that... I just want to say, I hope everyone's having an amazing holiday. I hope that our prayers for rain and ends of droughts will actually produce some results for us and that you won't be disrupted this holiday season, that you'll stay healthy and strong and able to care a little bit more so that together we can create that better future. Thank you now and always for being a part of this podcast, this pod, and this community because together we really can do so much more. We can care more, we can be better, we can even regenerate earth. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.